You're listening to the Informal Bible Study, a casual and applicational look at the Scriptures. I'm John Stonge, and it's great to have you with us today. In just a few moments, we're going to be talking about the benefits of being adopted into God's family, and we'll be looking at Romans chapter 8, verses 12 to 17. But I wanted to share just a couple quick things before we take a look at today's teaching. First of all, I want to thank those of you that have been visiting our new website. Our new website is desirejesus.com, and we have uh, blog entries. We have other resources available on the website. We'd love for you to check it out. It's been recently updated and greatly improved, and uh, we've been getting lots of good feedback from you on that as well. So if you get a chance and haven't had the opportunity to do so yet, stop by desirejesus.com and let us know what you think. We'd also be grateful for two specific favors if you're a regular listener to this podcast or to the Chapter a Day Audio Bible Podcast, which is the other podcast that I record each day. There are two quick and easy ways that you could support these podcast ministries. One is to take a moment to log into Apple Podcasts. It used to just be uh, something they referred to as part of iTunes. Now they're calling it Apple Podcasts. Uh, But if you could log in there and leave a rating or review for this podcast, we'd be super grateful. And the second way you can help, if you'd be interested in helping us underwrite the cost of hosting and production by supporting our crowdfunding, there is a link that you can find in the description to this episode for crowdfunding, or you can just go to desirejesus.com slash podcasts, and there's a button right at the top of the page. But if you chip in even a dollar, it helps us underwrite the cost of hosting and production, and we're super grateful for anyone that chooses to help us in that way. It's it's very helpful to us. Now, as I mentioned just a few moments ago, today we're talking about the idea of the benefits of being adopted into God's family. We're asking that question, what are the benefits of being adopted into God's family? Now, I don't know if you remember the first time you heard of the concept of adoption, but I have a very distinct memory of hearing about that concept for the first time. I happened to be at a friend's house for a birthday party, and I was in elementary school. I think I was probably in second grade, although I guess it's possible that I was in third grade at the time. But I was at this birthday party at a friend's house, and while I was there at this birthday party, I was informed by his best friend someone who knew him better than any of us, that this particular friend had been adopted. The young man that this birthday party was for had been adopted. Now, I didn't know much about adoption, but I was informed that I wasn't supposed to repeat that information. So it was almost as if adoption was something scandalous, and that's kind of how it was presented to me in that initial context. I was told this information, it was secret, it wasn't something I was supposed to repeat, and it was treated like it was some sort of scandalous information, when really adoption is something that's beautiful. And in fact, adoption, when we adopt children, when people adopt other children into their family— What they're doing is they're giving those children a great glimpse, a great picture of a spiritual reality that Christ has accomplished for us. And in fact, it's illustrated and spoken of in Romans chapter 8. So if you would, take your Bibles and turn there with me. Today we're looking in Romans chapter 8. We'll start at verse 12, and we're reading just a short section. We're going to go down to verse 17. But this is what it says, starting in Romans 8, verse 12. 
So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the privilege of being able to look at it today. And Lord, we pray that you would speak to our hearts and speak to our minds through it, that we would understand it, that we would grow from it, and that we would be more devoted to you than ever, that we would be appreciative of all that you have accomplished for us through faith in your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you for the reminders that we see in this passage of Scripture of the significance of being adopted into your family. And we pray, Lord, that you'd make these truths abundantly clear to our hearts as we look at this passage together. We thank you, Lord, for all of these things, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as anyone that has taken time to read through the Scriptures would notice, adoption is a biblical concept that's spoken well of in the Scriptures in multiple places and in multiple ways. And there's actually four examples of adoption in God's Word that stand out to me right away. One of the most well-known stories that relates to adoption that we find in Scripture relates to Moses. If you remember, Moses was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. So very early in Scripture, we're given an example of adoption taking place. Moses was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter in Exodus chapter 2. As we go a little bit further into the Old Testament, we are given the example of Esther. Esther was adopted by her cousin Mordecai. If you look at Esther chapter 2, we see that account. And it's referenced there that Esther was adopted into Mordecai's family. Mordecai basically treated her as his own daughter, even though she was his cousin. An even greater example of adoption is found in Matthew chapter 1, where it reveals to us that Jesus was adopted by Joseph. We know that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit in Mary, and so Joseph wasn't Jesus' natural father by any means, but he still accepted Jesus as if Jesus was one of his natural children. And Joseph, being a godly man, adopted Jesus. Now, I mentioned that there was a fourth example. So what is this fourth example? I just gave three examples, two from the Old Testament, one from the New. But what's the fourth example of adoption that we find in the Scriptures? Well, the fourth example is you and me. If you have faith in Jesus as your Savior, the Scripture tells us that you have been adopted into the family of God. We see that in Ephesians 1. We also see that here in Romans 8 that we're looking at today. And this is a wonderful gift. It's an undeserved privilege that's worth being explored. So that's what we're doing today. So what are the benefits that Scripture reveals to us of being adopted into God's family? 
Well, one of the things that we're shown here in Romans chapter 8 is that when you're adopted into God's family, you are then led by the Spirit of God. Let me reread verses 12, 13, and 14. It says this, So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Earlier this week, my wife and I updated our wills, and that's a necessary task for responsible parents, but I have to admit it's not my favorite task to complete. One of the questions we had to answer when we were filling out our wills was this, are there any debts you would like to forgive? Now, to my knowledge, there isn't anyone who owes us anything, so we said no, and the truth is we don't tend to lend money or property with the insistence that it be returned to us anyway. If we agree to lend you something, we basically grant you instant amnesty if you don't return it. That way we don't have to hold grudges or get upset over silly things that don't even matter. So there were no debts that we could think of that we would like to forgive. And when we look at this particular passage from Romans 8, this passage speaks of debts. And it tells us that we aren't debtors to the flesh. Well, what does that mean? It means that we are not obligated to live according to the passions and desires of our old sinful nature. When we trusted in Jesus, we were granted a brand new nature that doesn't sin, nor is it tempted by sin. But at the same time, we still have our old nature that loves to sin, and it loves everything about sin. It tempts us to go in a direction that Christ doesn't desire for us. It prompts us to move back in the direction of bondage to sin instead of embracing our freedom in Christ. But we've been set free from sin and death through Jesus Christ. We aren't obligated in any way to go back to the manner of living that we were once caught up in. And truthfully speaking, living according to the desires of the old fleshly nature, it results in things like disease and depression and ultimately death. But by the grace of God, we have a better option. As sons of God, we are not being led by the forces of evil. We are being led by the Holy Spirit. He's providing us divine counsel. He's speaking to our hearts and our minds. He's illuminating the truth of the Scriptures to us, and he's pointing us in a direction that is for God's glory and our good. Generally speaking, as you assess your life, what are the dominant voices you're listening to? One of the benefits of being part of a healthy family is the privilege of receiving good counsel from those who, by their wisdom and experience, are able to pass it along to you. Just the other day, my son said to me that he plans on doing something as an adult that he has watched me implement. And I have to say, as a dad, that makes me happy, partially because I have met his friends and I'm glad that they're not the dominant voice in his life. But just the same, it, it made me happy to know that he plans on doing something that he learned from me. He, he plans on applying something to his life that is a demonstration of wisdom that he received from his dad. Now, it becomes evident that we truly are God's children when we practice listening to His voice. And those who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. He loves us enough to lead us. 
He loves us enough to counsel us. He loves us enough to choose not to abandon us. He loves us enough to not leave us here to try and figure this all out by ourselves. Through faith in Christ, we are adopted into the family of God, and the Scripture tells us that as children of God, we are led by His Spirit. Something else that's brought up to us in this portion of Scripture is this, that as, as people who have been adopted into the family of God, as God's children, another benefit we receive is this, that we have received the Spirit of adoption. Look at how this is phrased for us in verse 15. It says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. When you have children, there are various milestones or transitions that you begin to recognize in their lives. And one of those transitions takes place when they stop calling you daddy or mommy, and they begin to call you dad or mom instead. Now, it's subtle, but it does communicate a desire on their part to be thought of as older and to be granted additional independence. Now, in the spiritual sense, and even in the physical sense, are we ever truly independent of our Heavenly Father? Our relationship with Him has some parallels with our relationships to our earthly parents, but it has a a unique aspect of continual reliance that results in grown adults like us still calling Him Daddy. We need Him. We love Him. We are confident of his love, and we can call him Abba, or Daddy, knowing that he loves us as well. At the moment we trust in Jesus, a new family relationship with us is inaugurated. We don't have a spirit of slavery to fear. Our perspective to God doesn't need to be one where we're living in constant fear of judgment for not keeping his law perfectly. Jesus kept the law for us because we never could. And when we placed our faith in Christ, we received the Holy Spirit. We were adopted as sons of God, and this relationship is permanent in nature. Please consider for a moment the nature of adoption. When someone adopts a child, what are they doing? Well, as an act of of the will, they are choosing to bring that child into their family forever. They are willing to bear the great cost, take the risks that come with raising a child, give that child their family name, invest a large portion of their life and time into that child, and then make that child an heir to all that they own. That's not a small thing. It isn't a trivial decision that a person is making when they choose to adopt a child. Well, that's exactly what God has done for us. Scripture tells us that he has adopted us into his family. He bore the cost for our redemption at the cross. He takes the risk of being grieved with our decisions. He gave us his name. He makes continual investments in our growth. And he designates us as heirs of his kingdom. And he does this all with great love. This isn't just a legal or technical reality. It's an expression of divine love. I've shared this with some people before, and I'll share it here again. Several months ago, friends that my wife grew up with suddenly and tragically lost their 17-year-old daughter, Hannah, 
in a car accident. Hannah had teenage friends who became pregnant, and her friends were obviously scared. And one of the things that they were considering at the time was abortion. But before Hannah died, she had a conversation with her parents to see if they might consider adopting the child her friends had conceived. And several of the family's other children were also adopted, so the parents prayed about this, and they decided to to adopt Hannah's friend's baby. And the adoption was completed a short time after their daughter's passing. And they gave their new son the middle name Samuel, because in the Bible, Samuel was the name given to Hannah's son. And they thought that that would be a, a, a beautiful way to honor their daughter, who had encouraged them to adopt this child that her friends were having. I think that's such a beautiful and powerful story and example of of love that's inspired by the love of Christ. And truthfully, when we look at the Scriptures, what does it reveal to us? It reveals that through Jesus, we have been given the spirit of adoption. How does that reality impact the way that we see ourselves? How does that reality impact the major life decisions we make? Could the choice a believer makes to adopt a child serve as a visible reflection of this spiritual reality? I think it can, and I think it does. And there's one other thing that's brought up in this portion of Scripture that we're looking at today that's, that's one of the benefits of being adopted into God's family, and that's this. You are a fellow heir with Jesus Christ. Look again at what it says in verses 16 and 17 of Romans 8. It says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Now, there are billions of people in this world, and all of us have one creator. But not all of us are part of the same family. We have one maker, but only some of us call him Father. When we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we are adopted into God's family, and the Holy Spirit testifies to our spirit that we are now the children of God. He confirms to our heart that we have been welcomed into the family of God. And as this scripture tells us, if we are God's children, we are likewise heirs to his promises and his kingdom. He has a glorious future in store for us and has assured us of an inheritance that cannot be corrupted, nor will it be stolen from us. I like what it says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Isn't that a beautiful portion of Scripture? It's a beautiful revelation of God to us that he would have that kind of inheritance in store for us. And we're referred to in Romans chapter 8 as fellow heirs with Christ, provided that our faith in Christ is genuine. Well, what demonstrates the genuine nature of our faith? 
I think the apostles demonstrated the genuine nature of their faith in Christ during the first century, and I think the early church, they demonstrated the genuine nature of their faith as well. But how did they do so? Well, they were willing to suffer with Christ. They were willing to experience suffering for the cause of Christ. They didn't shrink from persecution when it came. They didn't deny Christ when others tried to force them to. The early believers showed their faith to be genuine and were promised that they would one day be glorified with Christ. And that's a promise for us as well. We will spend eternity in a new, glorified body in the presence of Christ if he is the one we have truly placed our hope in. This, again, is an undeserved blessing that we are granted as people who have been adopted into God's family. You are led by the Spirit of God. You have received the Spirit of adoption. You have been made fellow heirs with Christ through faith in Christ. These are benefits that have come into our lives as we have been adopted into God's family. I've noticed recently in the church that I have been pastoring now for nine years that there are multiple families that have really started to gain a a heart and a vision for fostering and adoption as an expression of their faith in Jesus Christ. And I reached out to some of them this week because I want to highlight some of these things in our church, and I want to help our our church as a whole to gain a, a greater glimpse of how fostering children and how adopting children really is a, a, a wonderful and practical expression of the gospel. And as I've been reaching out, I asked some of them if they would give me either a letter or a personal testimony of what God's been sharing with them, what God's been placing upon their hearts. And I received a, a beautiful letter this week that I want to share with you. I have to keep it anonymous just to honor their request, but uh, the impact of the letter is is real just the same. And this is what one of the, the women in our church wrote to me this week to just try and illustrate what God has been doing in her heart and in her husband's heart uh, to help them gain a a greater vision of adoption and fostering. They've started uh, bringing foster children into their home, and this is what she happened to say. Her letter reads this way. She says, Prior to even beginning a serious relationship, my husband and I had a long talk about what our expectations were for a family. As a young adult trying to figure life out, there was one thing I knew for certain God had called me to do, to be a foster parent. For me, it was simple. God calls us to love the least of these and to welcome children in his name. And I can tell you in all honesty that these children are the true definition of the least of these in our nation. She goes on to say, Did you know that there are roughly 6,000 children waiting to return to their families in Philadelphia alone? So that's the region we live in. She says this, she says, And so, as nearly newlyweds, we took the plunge, and it's been far from easy. People ask us questions all the time. Will you have to give them back? Yes, that's what we hope will happen for this child. What if your child gets confused or too attached? Well, teaching my child to selflessly love another person is the best lesson we can provide. Another question she says that they get is this, are you worried that the family will come after you? And her answer was, nope. 
We've been blessed to have open communication with birth parents and have learned that treating them as a co-parent rather than, than treating them shamefully is best for everyone involved. And what a great way to share the love of Christ with these parents as well. She goes on to say, Of course, it sounds easy and lovey-dovey on paper, but it is the hardest thing we've ever done. Becoming a foster parent often means giving your entire self to a child and their family and receiving nothing in return, only to return them home. It's often a thankless job, and it's one of the hardest out there. It sounds a lot like what Christ has done for us, doesn't it? Our lives are in a constant state of limbo. But a few Sundays ago, we sang the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. And from that point forward, I decided to let go of the feelings of uncertainty and continue loving anyways. Because I know that that's what God wants from us, and that uncertainty doesn't matter. Being a foster parent, she goes on to say, is a very specific calling. If you're called elsewhere, there's plenty you can do to support foster families. She lists a few ways. She says, bring them food. Offer to babysit. Be understanding of children that come from harsh environments. Teach your children to include and welcome these children. See if there's anything that's needed. Placements happen abruptly and quickly with little time to prepare. And the biggest one yet, check in with foster families and see how they're doing. We feel blessed to be part of a church family who did every single one of these things for us. From a few nights to months, we've had the joy of welcoming four children into our family. And through this, we've learned so much about Christ and His sacrificial love. I thought that was beautiful, and I wanted to share that with you today particularly in light of the fact that we're looking at what Scripture says in regard to the fact that we have been adopted into God's family. And there are people all around us who are doing their best to give children that truly need their help a glimpse of what this looks like in very tangible and very selfless ways. We've been adopted into God's family through faith in Jesus Christ, and we can show the heart of the gospel of Christ to others as we practice this through adoption, through fostering, and through helping those who have chosen to do those things. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the fact that you have adopted us into your family through faith in your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, you lead us by your Spirit. You have given us the spirit of adoption through faith in you. And you've made us fellow heirs with Jesus Christ and have assured us of promises and blessings and a future in your kingdom that will not be corrupted, nor will it fade, nor will it be taken away from us. Lord, we're grateful for these things, and we're grateful for the fact that you remind us of them as we look at a portion of Scripture like what we've seen in Romans chapter 8. By your grace, Lord, we pray that you'd help us to live this out. We pray that, likewise, that we would support others who are seeking to live out these truths. And we're grateful, Lord, for your love for us and your presence with us. Lord, we commit ourselves to you today, and we thank you for your love that you've shown us in so many ways. But again, Lord, we thank you for adopting us into your family forever. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you again for listening to this episode of the Informal Bible Study. Again, as I mentioned at the start of this episode, if you'd like to help us out, you can do so in two very simple ways. One is to leave us a rating or review via Apple Podcasts, and the other is to chip in any amount, even just a dollar, to help us cover the costs of our hosting and our production. And you can do that from the crowdfunding link that you'll find in this episode's description, or you can just go to our website, desirejesus.com slash podcasts, and there's a link to contribute to the crowdfunding right at the top of that page. But that's it for us today. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week, and we look forward to catching up with you again right here next Monday. Take care. tired of parenting advice and news headlines that are more confusing than assembling Ikea furniture, we've got just the podcast for you. My dear friend, Abby, and I are here to help you navigate the parenting roller coaster. Should your kids be on social media? What should you tell a friend facing an unplanned pregnancy? These are just some of the many questions we tackle on our podcast. Subscribe to The Real Deal of Parenting wherever you find your podcast.